to Shelby Christian. My name is Caroline, and here's the news straight off the hill. If you're new to Shelby Christian or even a first-time guest, welcome. We have our I'm New wall right outside those doors, and we would love for you to stop in and introduce yourself. We want the opportunity to meet you and help you get connected. Easter is only two weeks away, and we have so many options available for you. We'll have our Thursday night service at 7 p.m. that will be just like our Easter Sunday services. We'll also have our Good Friday service at 7 p.m. This will be a more intimate worship experience as we reflect on Christ's suffering and the cross. And then on Sunday, we have three services. We'll have our normal 9.30 and 11 o'clock services, but in addition, we'll have an early 8 a.m. service. This 8 o'clock service will not include child programming and will have a more traditional feel to it. So now it's up to you. Invite everyone you know to come experience this celebration of Jesus. And we can't forget about our Easter egg hunt scheduled for Saturday, April 8th at 11 a.m. And we still have some resurrection kits available from our children's area. They're available in the elementary check-in area. And we ask that each family just pick up one kit. You can keep up with all things Easter at our event site, easter at scc.org. In case you didn't already know, we have a new traffic pattern that starts today. Please pay attention to the signs as you exit today and be safe. Help me in celebrating some baptisms that happened this past week on the Hill. Hayden, Brian, and North displayed their faith in Jesus by getting baptized. Congratulations! Eternal life and the gift of the Holy Spirit. You might want to cover your nose, bro. You got to get hit. <laughs> now, our youth pastor Ray is going to tell you about some exciting changes going on in our youth ministry. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Is doing all right? Good morning. So, I don't know if you guys could tell by the backwards hat or the skinny jeans, but I am the youth pastor here. And um, I got some announcements for you. And it was something that I felt like I needed to talk to you guys in person about and not just have it on the screen. But middle school is about to change for SCC. Dun, dun, dun. Don't worry about it, though. It's okay because we are starting at 1030 from now on. Our youth ministry for middle school is going to have an 11 o'clock service and no longer a 5 o'clock service at night. And this is all because we feel like it is going to be a better experience, not only for the students, but for the adults, for the parents, for the volunteers, and just an overall better experience for everybody. And we are going to name it Foundations. We're going to start with the name Foundations because we would like to think that our elementary program or our young students program, all of that starts a foundation where they need to start. But in middle school... It's no longer your parents' faith. It's no longer my faith. It's no longer the volunteers' faith, but it's that middle schooler's faith that needs to start to grow. That is when everything in that middle schooler needs to truly start to live for Jesus. And that's not something that we, we can try and teach them all we want. But that foundation needs to be built so that way when that hard time comes, When I'm no longer there, when we are no longer there, they can still stand strong. And for high school, we're renaming that as well. We're going to call that the city. I don't know if you guys know this, but we call this little program the hill. So we're going to call it the city on the hill. 
thought it had a nice ring to it, you know. Stole that from somewhere, but... But I want you guys, as you go throughout your week, to continue to pray over this ministry. Over moving it to Sunday mornings, over the high school, moving times a little bit, getting things a little bit more crazy. But everything is going to start on Easter. Nothing's changing until Easter morning. All right, guys, let's do some worship. You stand to your feet. So glad that you made it into the house of the Lord. It's going to be an awesome day. Let's give him praise this morning. Let's lift him high. saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection Christ so righteous, I'm justified. 
Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to this place to revive us, to fill our hearts, Lord. And I'm coming with a heart of worship. I'm bringing in a brand new song. I'm ready for a miracle And hearts praying for a fresh encounter Souls looking to a living God And I'm ready for a real revival Oh, Holy Spirit Come like a flood, like a fire Holy Spirit He's got your heat. 
Can you just praise him in this place? Amen. That baptism is made. him. It is so excited just to see how God has really been moving in their family. Um, but just to watch Sabo grow this year, God is really changing his heart. And it's so exciting just to see how he continues to develop his relationship with God. He's so excited for this. So I'm not going to make him wait any longer. So Sabo, if you'll repeat after me, I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. And I accept Him. And I accept Him. As my personal Lord and Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. All right, because of your confession, your dad is going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All heaven rejoices. As you said, I want you to watch this video real quick. time to just continue our worship for those that are new we have uh, communion stations uh, all over the building in the front the back and on the sides and we just want to take time this morning to just continue to worship him in our giving just giving back what he has given so lavishly upon us he's a god that owns cattle on a thousand hills he doesn't need our offerings but he invites us to come and be a part of what he's doing, not only here in Shelbyville, but all over the world, all over the globe. So would you just bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we get to partake not only in this, this time of worship, of communion, as we remember what you did on the cross, Lord. God, we get to also continue worship, Lord, as we give to you, Father, out of the abundance of our heart. Um, Lord, we just ask you to just speak to us what you would have us to give. Just like the widow gave all that she had, and Jesus said, this person gave the most. God, would you just help us? Would you penetrate our hearts today, God, and allow us to see what you're doing, not only through us, but through your church, God. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice, for the blood that never loses its power today and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. And come.
like many of you, I long for the day when I can be in heaven and have a homecoming with those that have gone before me. This song um, speaks not only to me, but I know it'll speak to you. And the first verse, it says, How I long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity. There will be a day. How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon one who bled to save me And walk with him for all eternity There will be a day when all will bow before Him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with He who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Prayed in desperation The songs of faith We sing through doubt and fear In the end We'll see that it was worth it When He returns To wipe away our tears Oh, there will be a day
and have a seat, man. Hadn't this been an awesome day already? I mean, hey, you guys made it in the parking lot. Way to go! Way to go! <laughs> now, getting out, we'll see how that goes, and then we'll celebrate a lot next week, okay? Man, I'm so glad you guys are here. I love, I love that we're seeing all these baptisms. It is so cool, and I love this. Like, I was out in the lobby uh, with Josh and Sabo walked in. I was like, Sabo, you ready? I've seen kids ready to play a football game that weren't that excited. He's like, yeah, let's go. And I'm like, I'm so excited and so happy for what God is doing in people's lives. And two weeks from today, it's Super Bowl, all right? Two weeks from today, people will come that won't come any other time of the year that you invite them. But you got a shot in the next two weeks, all right? So here's what we got. We got the bumper stickers we've been having, you know, thus here, you got bumper stickers, all right? We got the invite cards now, all right? They are on the corners of the stage and every table out in the lobby. And take a bunch of them. And between now and then, now these are the little big, bigger ones, so you can't do what some of you are doing and like stick them in the like card readers at the gas pumps. These won't fit this year. But anyway, you can give them to everybody. And here's the deal. On the front, it's got all the stuff about Easter, but on the back, it's got our regular schedule times because our hope and desire is people will come and check things out on Easter and then they'll just make it a regular part of their week. So that's on there. And then this is really cool. Aren't these the cutest little egg cartons you ever did see, all right? Here's the deal, all right? Some of you were here about four years ago we did this. We are partners with a a group called the CORE Foundation uh, that ministers to people in Haiti, especially on the south part of the island of Haiti where it's really, uh, it's already impoverished and then all the political stuff that's going on. And it's the part of the island that takes the brunt of every hurricane that comes through. And the CORE Foundation went in a few years ago and realized that one of the biggest problems with kids in Haiti is protein deficiency. And protein deficiency will keep your brain, the cognitive part of your brain, from developing. And therefore, you don't think things through. And therefore, you allow evil dictators to do things that they shouldn't do and you don't know any better okay and so protein deficiency is a huge huge deal so the core foundation went went in and started setting up chicken farms they just go find some adult man or woman who wanted to be a chicken farmer a reasonable chicken farmer and here's the deal it only takes about a size an area about the size of this little part of the stage and they build a chicken coop and put all the stuff in and give the first round of chicks about 400 chicks and raise the chicks because what do chickens provide Eggs. What are in eggs? Protein. What's in chicken? Protein. See where we're going with this? All right. And I get it. I guess some of them become roasted and that's why God created them. Okay. All right. So here's the deal between now and like the week after Easter, pick one of these up, at least one of these up when you're leaving today. And all we're asking you to do is to fill it with change. Like if you still have any, uh, but, or throw your debit card in. If you don't have any change, that'd be fine too. Um, but just throw change in there and just bring them back and we'll put them all around the front of the stage and we'll count them in the kids areas they're having a contest between the boys and the girls and, and tiff got two huge plastic egg banks and so they'll have boys bank girls bank. so we'll just see how much change i think it'd be really cool if we could raise like ten thousand dollars in change in the next three or four weeks and i think it's very very possible so get a chicken get a thing like this and hey if you don't have change paper will fit in here okay all right so there there we go with that all right man Have you ever, Mm. let me just pray. God, I just want to celebrate what you're doing. 
The number of life changes that we've seen just this year on the hill is incredible. And God, what, what makes that even greater is knowing it's not just here. The people all over the world are feeling the goodness of God. And in many, many places, they're being drawn to you. And people are, are, are checking you out and just trying to find hope and answers. So God, I just pray that you'll be with us in the next few moments. Help us to learn uh, the things that we need to know so we can be ready to go off the hill, take a message off the hill that will allow you to begin really changing the world. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's why I'm so excited about all this. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you were so desperate, you were so low, you were so in despair that the only thought going through your mind was, God, where are you? Where are you? I don't know. I may be the only one, but I doubt it. I doubt it. The Barrick family was driving home from church on November the 5th, 2006, uh, when a drunk driver hit them head on going 80 miles an hour. And that's their car. On their way home from church, <coughs> it was Andy and Linda and their 15 year old daughter, Jen, and 11 year old son, Josh. They all sustained life-threatening injuries. They were all four taken to different hospitals, and Jim was not expected to live through the night. But God, but God, God miraculously stepped in. She was in a coma for five weeks and had severe traumatic brain injuries and multiple skull fractures. And the process from emerging from that coma took weeks. And during those weeks, the doctors warned the family, okay, we, think she, we, we now think she's probably going to wake up. But when she does, you need to be ready because there's a good chance she'll be cursing and screaming in confusion. But instead, the day she finally woke up, she immediately started praying out loud and singing praises continuously. She didn't remember what two plus two equaled. She didn't remember that she had a brother. She didn't even know that she was hurt, but she knew every word to every praise song they sang at her church. And that's all she did. Sing and quote scripture that she had placed in her heart. It was an amazing thing. And now fast forward 17 years later, she's an adult. She's got an incredible ministry. She's still recovering. She still suffers from memory loss and uh, cortical blindness. But she's an awesome example of God's grace in moments of despair. She was once quiet and a deep thinker. And now she just expressed her love from God everywhere. Here's the thing I read that she said. She said, I will never doubt my Lord and my Savior. He's the one that's healing me every day. It's amazing. That's amazing. And so stop again and ask yourself the question, or let me ask you the question. Have you ever felt so scared and alone that all you could think to you do was yell, God, where are you? I can't take this anymore. Me too. In fact, 
it happens a lot more than I'd like to admit. A lot of times when there's stuff going on, I was like, I don't have it anymore. It's frustrating. I don't have the energy. My knees hurt. I, God, I can't do this anymore. And I just knew as I was writing this this week, I was just thinking, if those are the things that I'm feeling, I'm guessing that there's going to be a lot of other people here today that are feeling the same kind of things at times. So last week, Bobby took us up Mount Carmel with Elijah. And, and a great victory happened on the top of the mountain. We saw him have victory over the prophets of Baal. And that was awesome. I just have to imagine that there for a moment, there for a moment, I think Elijah did. He had to. He had to look at... But then the word got back to Jezebel. And she hated it. Because she was the one who had sent the prophets of Baal. She was like in their group. She was the leader. And so now... Elijah goes from to on the run. Now, I started to say, can you imagine dude just defeated and killed 500 demonic prophets and now he's running from some woman? (laughs) At that point, I'm thinking, I rethought it. I thought, what if it were a man? I don't care. He just beat 500. What's one person? But Elijah is scared and afraid and all alone but God provides protection and provision if you've got your Bibles we're in first Kings chapter 19 it's kind of like uh, Elijah part 2 all right and in the very first part of it we're gonna see how God provides a refuge from the enemy a refuge from the enemy let's look and see what it says beginning in verse 1 of first Kings chapter 19 when Ahab got home he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done including the way he had killed the prophets of Baal so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah check this out may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them I'm thinking that qualifies as a threat I'm thinking it, I think it could get you arrested today if you made that kind of threat. And, but she basically put a hit out on Elijah. This guy just beat 500 demonic prophets or watched God do it through him. Okay, but check this out. Look what happens next. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town of Judah, and he left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And then he goes on, and then he laid down and slept <laughs> under the broom tree. But as you, you know you know that there was a part of Elijah that hoped he didn't wake up. You realize that, right? A lot of people go to bed every night in Shelby County hoping they don't wake up. And if that doesn't break your heart, you need to check your heart. And and if you're one of those people, you you, you need to talk to us. But But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. 
And he looked around, and there was beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and then lay down again. <laughs> then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up, eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb, which is also known as Mount Sinai. We've been there a few weeks ago, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave and he spent the night in a cave. Amazing how God, in the midst of Elijah's most desperate time, comes and gives him refuge. He was afraid. Every one of us has been afraid. We may still be afraid. We may be scared to death right now. He's alone in the wilderness. He's wanting to die. But here comes the refuge. An angel wakes up and says, hey, why don't you eat them? You know, the first thought is, I ain't got nothing to eat. Well, like right here, bread, you know, water. Okay, you, you've got it taken care of. A 40-day journey. Think about that. He's 40 days away from Mount Carmel where he had the battle with Baal. Uh, and now he's going to go back. I did some research. It's 260 miles from Mount Carmel back to Mount or Mount Sinai where he's going back to. 260 miles, 40 days. I did the math without a calculator. I can pull it up. It's 6.5 miles a day for 40 consecutive days. That's incredible. But then as I was reading and I was thinking about how much that was in six and a half miles, and it's not just like six and a half miles around a track or, you know, it's like six and a half miles, okay, every day for 40 days. And then it dawned on me, 40 days. I think I've heard that before. And so I started looking. You know how many times 40 days is signified or designated in the Bible? Well over 20 times. Check some of these most famous ones out. God caused it to rain for guess how long? 40 days in Genesis. Moses spent 40 days with God on the mountain when he goes back up the last time to get commandments stuff. Elijah here traveled for 40 days. Goliath threatened the Israelites for 40 days. And this one's really cool. In the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 4, we see Ezekiel laid on his right side for 40 days, and then he rolled over and laid on his left side for 390 days like do the, that's a year plus okay that's 13 months plus the 40 days 14 months that dude's just laying down all right but he did it to symbolically bear the sins of uh, judah and israel which had sinned against god for 40 years and 390 years respectively jonah warned the people that they had exactly 40 days to repent. You know, when he finally goes to Nineveh and he, he starts preaching there, he said, you guys got 40 days. Now, the cool, Jonah was struggling still because like he's counting the days. He's got the calendar out and he's putting the X's on it because in his mind, at the end of 40 days, boom, God's going to blast them all. And they all repented in those 40 days and they didn't get blasted. And then Jonah got a little bit upset about that. I spent three days in a fish and you guys just repent. All right. Anyway, it was 40 days. All right. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. He spent 40 days fasting. He spent 40 more days on earth between the resurrection and the ascension that we're getting ready to celebrate. 40 days is significant. What's up with 40 days? Here's what we could see from, from biblical study. 
a period of 40 days is a period of time that was given to complete a significant, important spiritual challenge. Like, I'm going to give you 40 days to work on this. 40-day fast. 40 days reading your Bible, 40 days memorizing this, 40 days prayer, whatever, 40 days. Here's the problem. We don't even really like the idea of 40 minutes. And if service goes 65, we're like panicking. 40 days is significant. And every 40-day period in the Bible shows a challenging time that led to spiritual growth. When you see 40 days, if you're just reading your Bible in the future, every time you see 40 days, I want you to be reminded that a breakthrough is coming. Something big's about to happen when they start talking about 40 days. It's a significant period of time, and it's all about moving closer to God. And it's a reminder, it's a reminder that God is patient. God is patient. And the New Testament talks about, yeah, we got to remember that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. So when Elijah finds himself on the run, scared, alone at the base of Mount Carmel, God prepares him for this 40-day journey to the mountain of God. Here's something you need to remember. When we find ourselves scared and alone, we need to run for our life for God. And that's where Elijah headed. He found refuge from the enemy. But when he got there... God used that period to recharge him. He was recharged by God. Check this out. I think this is a great dialogue between God and Elijah. Elijah gets there. He gets in the cave. He sleeps. He wakes up. And the Lord says to him, what are you doing here? I, just, I love the phrase. What are you doing here, Elijah? What in the world are you doing here? And then, then you've got to read in your mind. You've got to like read this in the most whiny voice that you can possibly imagine. Elijah's response, Okay. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Can you, can you see that attitude and what Elijah is saying and doing there? And so God is, is God's listening to that. God's listening to that. And, and, and now, here's the deal. The things Elijah said, he's right. They had broken their covenant. They had torn down their altars. They had killed every one of the prophets. And now because of Jezebel, they were trying to kill him. I mean, those legit things. But a couple days earlier, well, now, six weeks earlier, 40 days, like before he started this journey, what had God done? God had brought down fire from heaven and consumed an altar, and he was able to kill 500 prophets. I mean, it's like, I, 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 we don't, it's not in there, but I wish it was. I wish at the end of this, he just said, and God said, so? That's what I wish. Because like, what part of that didn't you get, Elijah? So let's look, go on verse 11. Look at it. So God, God says, okay, Elijah, here, go, go stand out before me on the mountain. Come out of the cave. Go stand on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah did what? When Elijah heard it. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. God says, here's the deal, Elijah. 
here's the deal. I know what everybody's done. And so he said, this, this, we just had, we've had wind right recently, right? We understand wind right now in central Kentucky. Unfortunately, places south of us really understood it this weekend, and we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. But God wasn't in the wind. And then the earth started shaking, but, but God wasn't in that. And then, then fire came, and God was not in the fire. It was when God whispered that Elijah heard. He needed to know that while God was in the miraculous, yeah, he was, in, he was also in his heart. That still small voice. All right? So we're good now, right? We're good. <laughs> well, let's look at the end of verse 13. Uh, a voice said, God's being, what are you still doing here, Elijah? And go back to that whitey voice. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their command with you, torn down the altars, killed every one of your prophets, and I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I, once again, here's what I wish God had said there. Yeah, I got that, Elijah. I, I, we, I heard that before. But it's the, same, it's the same song and dance. Elijah's like, they're after me. Yeah, Elijah's saying, God, didn't you hear I'm scared and alone? And then look what God does. Look at verse 15. The Lord told him, <laughs> this is so funny. How far had he walked? 260 miles. And God says, go back the same way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus, and then when you arrive, anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram, and then anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel, and anoint Elijah, the son of Saphat, from the town of Yedat, uh, to replace you uh, as my people, as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu. Those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. And yet I will pre preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to bail or kissed him. See what God says? Hmm. Once you go back, another 40-day journey, just hike on back, but I got a new mission for you. What God is working on here is a succession plan. He said, I have a new mission for you. On the way, I want you to anoint two kings and one prophet, and the prophet is to replace you. And in case you are scared to lead, the troublemakers will be killed. And in case you feel alone, I'm reminding you that there's already a support system of 7,000 people who never bail, bowed down to Baal. You know those times when he's saying, God, no one is left. God's, God's not creating 7,000 new people. He's reminding Elisha they were already there. You were never alone on earth, and you sure weren't alone with me not being there with you. See, when we are scared, we need to find protection. And when we feel alone, we need to find support. And so Elijah begins to go back. He returns to the front line. Now, understand, he's going back to, to ordain, anoint these new leaders, but he's still leading. He's still very much leading. He's going back into the battle because a big part of the battle is making sure the battle can go on. And that is having a good succession plan of what's going to happen when Elijah is no longer here. And so he goes and finds Elisha. Look what, it ha look what happens here starting in verse 19. So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Zaphat, plowing a field. 
There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plying with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak around his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah and said to him, Hey, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. And then the last part here, Elijah replies, Go on back, but think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and he slaughtered them all. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. And he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. See what's going on there? Elisha, with an S, has this happen. He's just out there minding his own business, plowing the field, all right? This, this guy that's obviously older than him shows up and throws a cloak around him. And then he says, well, hey, I'll go with you, but can I go back and tell my mom and dad goodbye? And Elijah says, okay, but, but understand what just happened here. Because you see, in that day and time, throwing, when an older person came and threw their cloak or their outer garment around the shoulders of a younger person, that was a symbol. That was like passing the baton. That was like saying, hey, I want you to follow in my footsteps. I want you to come and do this. It was an invitation to join the prophet's service. But it also, it also was a symbol of adoption. And I think Elisha knew that because he said, let me go and kiss my mom and dad, my biological parents goodbye, because I know I'm going with you now. I don't know where it's taking us. But I, and, and so Elijah says, okay, okay. And then I, Elijah, Elisha goes back and kills all the oxen. Like, what did they do? But it's a sacrifice. He uses the wood from the plow to make the fire to burn them to say, I'm never coming back here. I've got a new mission in life. Some of you studied history in school or studying it right now. If you're a student, you'll study about when Cortez arrived in what is today known as Mexico. And his soldiers didn't want to go fight. They had, they'd come all the way across the ocean. They got off the ships and they, get, they, they didn't want to fight. So you know what Cortez said? Burn the ships. Burn the ships. And history records that they went down to the harbor and they, they burned all the ships. What did that mean? There ain't no going back. There ain't no going back. So we might as well go forward. And we might as well fight through this. And that's what happened. Sometimes in life, things happen. And we got to burn the ships. Because burning the ships means we're completely surrendered. So let's go. Let's go. Hmm. July 3rd, 2005. My buddy Ben was at his first anniversary party. Right over here, about a thousand yards from the building. And it was kind of a, a little bit wilder party. And uh, Emmy was trying to get him to come in and cut the cake. And he said, just one more dive. Just one more. Just before midnight, Ben dove into his parents' pool, hit the side of the pool and broke his neck. He's laying on the bottom of the pool, struggling for life. His sister Caroline and some others got him up to the top, and one of the guys was an EMT and had a neck brace in the vehicle and got it, and the whole long story, but I'm making it short. There was a piece of plywood that Ben had just randomly saved at his parents' house, and it became the backboard that they used to get him out of the pool and to the helicopter 
and to the hospital. And after a lot of long, long nights, he ended up going from Uvel to Fraser. And after a lot of long, long nights and days, he got to come home. To what? Paralyzed from here down. I don't know. Not too much of a difficulty for a guy who has a lawn care business. Oh, how am I going to get on a tractor? Figure it out. Figure it out. And kept figuring things out, kept figuring things out, kept figuring things out. And Emmy, bless her heart, could have run, but she was the wife that stayed. We're going to figure this out. As long as you keep fighting, I'll keep fighting. Figure it out. And in the week of, of August the 15th, 2015, I got a great call. Or maybe we talked to your Ben said, you know, hey, we've been talking, Emmy and I have been talking, and she wants to be baptized, and I want to be baptized too. And so on August the 15th, 2015, Jason and I went right over here on Winding Way or Forbes or whatever it is back there, and we got into the very pool where tragedy struck. And Emmy was baptized, and then Jason and I were able to carry Ben down in the pool and baptize Ben in the very pool where he broke his neck. Talk about being desperate. If, if you want to see Ben tell the whole story, it's on our Community Recovery YouTube channel from a couple weeks ago, and you can watch the whole story. But you talk about being desperate alone. When you find yourself laying at the bottom of a pool, unable to move, you're desperate and alone. And now Ben's a deacon. Helping out, going back down to Frazier, helping other people who end up in the same situation, working with some of our people in recovery, just trying to be an encouragement. There's two things Ben has said, there's a lot of things Ben has said to me. There's two things I'll always, always, always remember. One was in my front yard. Keith and Ben were over at my house and they'd been trimming up some stuff at my house and we were talking about it and I was like, man, I just, I can't believe what, I'm so proud of it. And Ben said to me, if I had to choose to never walk again, I wouldn't want to miss out on what God's done in the last 10 years. What? And this day, the first thing Ben said to me and Jason when we got up out of the water, he said, fellas, just a few years ago, all hell broke loose here. But today, hell was defeated. That's a message to take straight off the hill. Bottom line is God will provide you a place of refuge to recharge you so that you can return to the battles of life. He'll provide you the healing that you need and He will recharge your body so you can get back in the battle, so you can return to the battle. And every time I'm talking to somebody about surrendering their life to Jesus, and they give me some excuse. I got my hero in my mind. I'm thinking, what's your stinking excuse? This is life changing. And God wants to take you from a desperate, desperate moment. And he wants to recharge you 
but he doesn't want you to quit. He wants you to get back in the battle. Clean yourself up and get back in the battle because here's what happens. Just like Ben has found people that need to hear your story, there are people that need to hear your story. Whatever your story is, there's people that need to hear your story. And the only way they get to hear the story is if you get back in the battle. We're going to worship as we stand in a minute to sing. If you just need a place to pray, we, we've even created more space over here. You can come and sit at the benches. You can kneel at the benches. Nobody will bother you. It can just be your quiet place of solitude over there where you can pray. Now, if you need somebody to pray with you, Bobby's over there. Brett's over there. We'll find other people that would be more than happy to pray with you. But I'm going to challenge you. If it's time to give your life to Jesus, what are you waiting on? What's your excuse? And so while we sing, I want you to come. I want you to come. Bobby will meet you right down here. Brett will tell you. We'll get you connected. All right? Let's go. Let's get things right. Let's get back in the battle. Would you guys stand and let's worship together. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God.
the, while the team's coming up here, uh, if uh, this is your first time here, please stop out at our I'm New Wall. Uh, we've got a gift for you out there. If you ordered a t-shirt already, go back there and see Kim. She's got them. We've had a little bit of trouble getting the extras, so we'll have some more next week. But if you've already got one ordered, they've got it back there in a bag with your name on it, okay? Uh, and so we want to encourage you to stay. And we'll have more next week. We'll keep doing it. All right, some of you can come up here with me uh, and fill the, fill the stage. All right. All right. Yeah, come on. I don't bite. <laughs> Too much. All right, these guys and some more. But these guys are getting on a plane Thursday and headed to Guatemala to minister in a huge way during their spring break. They're going to be building houses. They're going to be doing VBS for kids. And, and some of them, how many of you have been before? All right. Return missionaries. All right. So these guys, the ones that raise their hand, they know. The newbies, they don't even understand yet. They're about to get blessed more than the people they go to minister to. All right, that's what's going to happen here, and it's a cool, cool thing. So there's 32 total getting on a plane uh, on Thursday, and they'll be gone for a week, and they'll be back at Easter, and probably Easter Sunday, we'll celebrate some great, great, great stories, okay? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray, and can we do this? If, you, if your arms don't hurt, <laughs> symbolically, if we could just raise our hand as a shield of protection and ask God's blessing upon these people as they get ready to leave. God, I just thank you so much for who you are and what you're going to do. And God, I can't wait to hear the stories. God, would you give these... Would you give these amazing servants, would you give them safety, God? Would you watch over them, make their travel smooth, make all the arrangements just fall right into place? And then, God, may they minister to young people. That, that the reality is they may never see again until we all get to heaven. But, God, may it be an incredible, incredible week of ministry. And that you will bless it, that your name will be glorified, and that these folks can help make Jesus famous in Guatemala City for the next week. And we pray this all in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Get out of here. Go love God. Love people. Watch him change the world.